Good morning. And it is a good morning. Isn't it beautiful outside? Love it. Love it. So, um, I would like, uh, I want to share a picture with you. So, we're going to put this up on the screen. So, who knows who this is? Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, you know who. I'm on the end. So, this is my family. And my two older sisters, I'm on the end. I'm about 13 years old, my mom and dad. And this was our Christmas card picture we took every year. This is 1968, just a few years ago. And uh, we had to take a Christmas picture every year. This was real important to my mom. And so this is us, and we look really happy. We look really unified. But... On that day, before this picture was taken, we got in the biggest fight, and we just hated each other. And we were fighting, and we were like, we're not doing the Christmas card picture. And, of course, Mama steps in and says, oh, yes, you are, and you're going to smile and act like you like each other. <laughs> so that's us. We did a fairly good job. My middle sister looks kind of PO'd, but she always kind of looked that way. <laughs> but... Um, I called my sisters because I couldn't remember what, I thought, what was this fight about? And they couldn't remember either. We laughed and, and uh, just remembered good times, too. And that's what families do, right? So sometimes they fight. And sometimes they pretend they're not fighting. And sometimes they pretend they're happy. But sometimes they get into arguments and fights. And maybe that's been your experience. Maybe your family, you can remember a, a really good fight that you got into with sisters or uh, mom or dad. And for some of you, it was like us, that we've made up and we're still together after all these years. But for some of you, that fight may have not happened that way. You may have fought and it separated you and you're not talking to your family anymore. And it's very, 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 very painful for that. For some of you, that could even be your church family. That you've been in churches and in community where people have said very unkind things to you, hurtful things to you. And really, probably all of us have experienced that. And it just hurts. Some of us have been involved in church splits where it splits up and you've got to choose one side or another and you choose one side and this side of people that you love dearly, you spent time with, you never see again. And it hurts. It's painful. So if relationships are this messy and community and family are this messy, why did God create community? Why would he put us in such a vulnerable place where we could experience pain and hurt? So, the, and Paul, all throughout his letters, every one of his letters, he talks about some way community and what's going on. He writes to these churches in Corinth, uh, Corinth and, and Ephesus 
And he writes to them and he says how you should treat one another. This is what should happen when you get together. This is what happens with relationships. You should love one another. You should accept one another. You should forgive one another. You should bear one another's burdens. You should honor one another. You should prefer one another. There's all these one another's. In fact, in the New Testament, there's 59 one another's. That's how important it is to God. Community. And here at Crestwood, one of our practices, as Mark was talking about, is community. So why would we make this community a value? Why is it that important? And why is it so important to God that we have community when it's messy? And the only way I know to get an answer is to go to Scripture. So if you'll, we're going to put up Genesis 1, or if you have... Bible app, if you actually have a Bible like <laughs> that's falling apart. So turn to Genesis 1, 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the, of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, if you'll notice in this that God uses plural to describe himself. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You see, God doesn't think like an individual. God doesn't act like an individual. God never has, and he never will. He is the fellowship of three persons that we sang even today. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Holy Spirit, three in one. He is a community of three very distinct personalities, but one. He is the triune God, three in one. God is community. And these three persons of the Trinity each have a unique personality, but they don't they don't function or they don't act as individuals. Each one of them is God, but there's not three gods. The Father is God. Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yet, there's just one God. Now, how can that be? Now, 
I'm not going to dive into explaining the Trinity to do you today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've, there's a ton of books out there on the Trinity, and there's a lot of opinions. I'll tell you what, I think it's a mystery, and I don't understand it. But the thing is, I don't, one of the reasons I don't understand it is because I don't think community. I think like an individual. And here in the Western Hemisphere especially, we're really applauded and prodded to think in like an individual. We're not thought of to think of the community. And so it's really hard for us to grasp even the Trinity idea because of our thinking. You know, when I was growing up, my dad loved John Wayne. We watched all the John Wayne. Well, John Wayne was an individual. He didn't live in a community. He was out there on his own. And he could shoot tons of bad guys all by himself. And we thought, yay, John Wayne. We want to all be like that. Yeah. <laughs> but God has never been an isolated individual. And again, he doesn't think like that. He always thinks in terms of community. And we can see that from Genesis to Revelation. Because God, again, is community. The best example we can see of the Trinity is when Jesus came to earth. And when he, he brought that community life here on earth. You see, when Jesus came... There were times he did go out and pray alone, but he chose to work in a community. He chose to live in a community. He would spend time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus at their house. He would spend time eating and fellowshipping with people. So much so that some people called him a drunkard and a glutton. Because he was with people. And even then, he also chose to, to take 12 men and live three and a half years with them. And they traveled together and they lived together. And these, at this time, these three and a half years, these men got to see what a trinity looks like. They got to see how he, they moved together and they worked together. Because Jesus would tell them, I only do what I hear my father saying. I only do what I see my father doing. And in many times throughout the Gospels we read, I only speak the words of God, of my father. And then he tells them that he cast out a demon. And they said, well, how'd you do that? In the power of the spirit, I did that. So he's always saying how he's living in this community. He's, he's drawn out into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. And when he comes out of that wilderness, then he gets filled with the Spirit. And then he's empowered with the Spirit. And then he starts his ministry in that power of the Spirit. And so these men, these women, got to see him in the Trinity. And so God brought the Trinity here on earth in the person of Jesus.
So what I want to do is go back, though, to Genesis 1, because we need to go back to the purpose, again, of what God. And so in Genesis 1, as we go back to the beginning, we're going to see the purpose that God had for humanity, for us to mirror the community of God. That's our purpose, to mirror what God, this community of God. And so when we look, let's just look at verses 27 and 28. We'll see the threefold purpose. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Threefold purpose for reasons that we're supposed to mirror the image of God. One, because we bear his image. Every one of us bear the image of God. He's our father. And he's put his image in us. That's the first purpose. The second purpose is that they would dominate. They would, they would rule. They would reign over this earth. That's our purpose. To rule and reign. And subdue it. To have dominion over this earth. He chose us as his representative to do that. And the third is to be fruitful and multiply. Multiply these communities. Make more communities. Get more people. Be fruitful. Multiply. And all of these purpose, purposes have to be done in community. He didn't say, John Wayne, go out and do this. He said, Male and female, the community will go out and bear my image. The community will go and have dominion over the earth. The community will go and be fruitful and multiply. So if that was God's purpose, there happened to be another purpose, person in the garden, and that was Satan. And he did not want this purpose to happen. So how would he, what would he do? He taunted him. Yeah, he taunted, he tempted. He would want to divide. He would want to divide the community up. And one of the basic, I mean, I've never studied war, but I under, I've watched enough war movies. But one of the basic strategies of war is divide and conquer, Right? We've all heard that. You can divide your enemy, you can conquer them. And so that's what Satan did. He realized that this community was going to dominate him, was going to rule him, was going to take over. And the best way he could do that was to divide him. So he goes, and let's look at, let's look at Genesis 3, 1. We'll put that up there, okay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
Oh, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So we see that he divided them from the beginning. He goes to one of them, not to both of them. He goes to one, to Eve. So he automatically divided them. And so then he tempts them with saying, you can be like God. You can be like God. You can be self-sufficient. You don't need anybody else. And he divided them. And they ate the fruit. And of course, that's the same dangerous lie that he comes to us. You don't need anybody else. You can be self-sufficient. You don't need community. And for many people, you don't need God. And so they ate that fruit and their eyes became open, but not in a good way. And so he did. It seemed like he divided and he conquered them at that time. But God's purpose, as we know, was not to be stopped. God had a plan all along. And praise God, he sent Jesus to die and to be raised again in order to defeat Satan at that point. And with Jesus, through his defeat of Satan on that day, a new community came and was formed. And that community is the church. So this community, this first community that started, and we read about them in Acts, they considered themselves a family. They looked at each other, that God is our Father. And all throughout the New Testament, you read that they call each other brother, sister, 
because they looked at each other as family. They shared meals together. They shared, it says, everything they had in common. They acted like a family, and they considered themselves a family. This was God's new community here on earth. So the church is the expression of God's community life here on earth. We are the expression of God's community life here on earth. Us. We. Not just you, but we. Because God is community. So what does that expression look like? Well, as we look through scriptures, we see one of the first characteristics that looks like is love. Jesus said, if you love one another like I have loved you, then the world will see me. Well, they'll know me. It is how we love one another. Love one another unconditionally. When we do that, we show the visible expression of the community life of God. When we serve one another, yesterday like serving, cleaning up, serving one another. Serving can look like greeters at the door who welcome people in. Serving can be the coffee people who are serving coffee and making people feel warm and welcomed. Like this is family. Come in. We welcome you. We have a cup of coffee. Serving can be like fixing a meal for someone who's sick or someone who's just had a baby. And when we do these service, these acts of service, it's not just good deeds. We're actually showing the hospitality, the welcoming spirit, the kindness of God's community. And we show the world, this is what God's like. He is kind. He is welcoming. He is hospitable. We're not just doing acts. When we pray for the sick or we cast out demons, then we show that visible expression of God's healing power, how he is compassionate for the sick. He's compassionate for those who are demonized and in bondage, and he wants to set them free. Then we show visibly the sign of this is what God is like. The community of God is like. He loves to heal. He loves to show his power. He loves to set the captives free. And when we give, when we give of our resources, when we give of our time, when we give of our money, then we show the visible expression how generous God is. The community of God is generous. He's so generous that he gave his only son to die for us. And that is the visible. We are the visible expression by those acts of the community of God. But wait a minute. What happens when somebody offends you? How does that work? 
Well, guess what? You have a fantastic opportunity. You're like, what? <laughs> you have the opportunity to show the unconditional forgiveness of God who forgave us. We have offended him and he forgave us. Well, does that mean that the person who said unkind things and gossip about me, I've got to forgive them? You got a great opportunity <laughs> to show the visible expression of God's love and unforgiveness. Is it easy? Oh, no. What about that person who cuts you off in traffic? Gosh, I forgive them. <laughs> I wish I could say I do that. And maybe there's people right now that you're thinking of, I just don't think I can forgive them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That's just too hard. But what about also people you don't agree with? What about them? What am I supposed to do with them? How do I show the visible expression of God to people that are wrong and I'm right? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to help them so they can get back on the right way. But God says, accept one another as I have accepted you. And how did he accept me? He accepted me when I was a total mess. Where I probably disagreed with everything he said. And he accepted me. So what do we do when we have disagreements? Do we just accept, oh, okay, that's fine. No, we sit down, we listen. We listen to the other person's opinion. We try to find out what is God and what's not. We pray with one another. We work through our differences. And some, that takes time. It's easier just to walk away and go, forget them. But God wants us to be a community and the visible expression of his acceptance for us. And so when there are differences, we don't agree with one another, then we accept and we sit down and we say, tell me about your viewpoint. I want to learn about it. I want to hear that. Let's pray together. So community is not an organization. Community is such a word that's that's thrown around anymore. Everything's a community, this community, that community. It's really become, in my opinion, fairly shallow. It's become an, that it's an organization. I'm going to join this organization and have a community. But the community of God is not that. It's not an organization. It's not a building. It's not even this building. This is not community, this building. You are community. The people here are community. The other thing that community is not, 
community is not about getting. It is about giving. Community is not about getting. It's about giving. And how do I know that? Because when I look at the Trinity, I see three people who are giving to one another, who are sacrificially giving to one another. And how they treat each other, how they act with each other, is how I want to act. Because I want to be the visible expression of the community of God. I want us to be that. And so the, the, the Trinity, they give to one another. They sacrificially give. They honor one another. They glorify one another. And they're always working together, flowing in and out of each other. The community of God is lived out in very practical ways, what we've talked about, and spiritual ways, what we've talked about to some degree in a very short time. But those things are acted out through us. We are the visible expression of the community of God here on earth. We have the very life of God in us. We have his DNA in us. The divine DNA of God is in every one of you who has accepted Jesus Christ. That's a, that just blows my mind away. And we're family. We're families who get together and pray for one another, who help one another, who minister to one another, who eat together, who have fun together. And yes, we fight. And we have disagreements. But when we fight and we have disagreements, then we forgive one another. We work it out. And we say, I'm going to stay here until we get this solved. <laughs> that's the visible expression of God when I look out today I just have a real because of just spending some time and studying this I really have a love for you all I don't know everyone close some of you I know closer than others but there's, there should be this love that comes I see you and I love you're the community of God and you're the community of God that God's put me in here. And we're together in this. We all are bearing the image of God. And we're bearing it together. We all look we all come with our unique personalities, just like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have unique personalities. Each one of you brings your unique personality to this. And we need each of these personalities. We don't, this is not one size fits all. If it was, it would be boring. We all look different. Nobody on earth has ever looked like you or ever will. Nobody on earth has ever been like you or ever will. I need you. I need your personality. I need your giftings. And you need mine. 
And that's why when we disagree, when we argue, when we fight, we've got to figure out how this personalities fit together. Somehow they do. That's why it's important. God's heart and his purpose is for us to be that visible expression. And this doesn't happen by accident. This life is lived out, this community life is lived out, not just on Sunday mornings together. Because we can be like that picture that I showed. We can clean up real good and smile when you have to. (laughs) But it's lived out in the nitty-gritty day of life. When you go to work, when your neighborhood with your friends, when you're shopping, in your schools, every way or every place that you are, you are the visible expression of God, wherever you are, in every nitty-gritty situation. And you know what? It's not easy. In fact, it's really impossible. Now, what if I ended right there? (laughs) Sorry. But you know, the good news is, is it is impossible. Because the more we try, the more we mess it up. But God sent his Holy Spirit. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us because he knew it was impossible. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, then he gives us the power to forgive. He gives us the power to accept one another. He gives us the power to give and not get. He gives us the power to love one another as Christ has loved the church. He gives us that power. The Spirit of God lives in you. So when you say, I just don't like that so-and-so. Do you know what? God loves that so-and-so. And so the power of God, the Spirit of God who's in you can love that so-and-so through you. And then you show the visible expression of the community of God. He has equipped us. The Spirit of God equips us with everything we need. Love, forgiveness, acceptance, everything. And how to live this community life. What I'd like to do is I want to read, when Jesus was here on earth, and the very last night before he died, he prayed this long prayer in John 17. And he prays um, for the disciples. But at the end of it, he prays for us. Because he said this prayer is not for them alone, but it's for those who believe in the message, us. So we have this wonderful prayer that Jesus prayed for us today. And I'd like to just to read this prayer over us tonight, to this, tonight, today. And um, 
What I'd like you to do is I'd just really like you to close your eyes. So just shut out all the distractions. And I'd like for this prayer just to really become soak into you. And it become, just listen to Jesus as he prays this over you. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and that you have loved them just like you love me. Lord, would you just show us what that looks like? That you're making us one. Would you make us one right here today? Father, we thank you for the spirit that comes and dwells in us. And Father, I pray right now for anyone who needs to forgive someone or disagree, that you would just bring that power to do that. In Jesus' name. Now, Liam's going to, we're going to all, let's just all stand and we're going to sing a song, but I don't want us just to sing this song. I really want this song to be a prayer and a declaration. So as we're singing this, just think of this. This is you're singing a prayer. You're declaring this through song that we are one. 